Welcome to the Blue Dot Podcast. Please join us as we discuss what's happening in Harrison County, Indiana. Hey everybody, this is Graylin. A quick note before we dive into this episode. My conversation with Jim ran a little long, shocking I know, uh, but we've decided to release it as two parts, two episodes. So today is part one uh, in the history of Chestnut Street. Our members will be getting the second part next week, and we will publish the second part on our main feed later this spring. So um, we hope you enjoy, and if you want to know more about Blue Dot membership, head to bluedothc.com slash membership. Thanks so much, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to episode 48 of the Blue Dot Podcast. Today, I am joined by Jim Hayes. Hi. Hi. <clears throat> and this is a historic day in the life of the podcast. This is our first time recording in person. Jim and I are sitting here <laughs> across each other at a table um, in person with microphones. It's very exciting. How do you feel? I feel like, um, well, this is the first time that I've ever done this. Uh, uh, do you remember the, the classic American film, American Graffiti, 1973, yes, where Wolfman Jack was out in the, in the little studio at the base of the radio tower? Yes. I feel like Wolfman <laughs> Jack today. It is very professional. It is. It, it really is. I we, feel like a, a, a real radio person. I am excited. Um, and today we're, we're talking about the history of Chestnut Street in downtown Corydon. So we're going to launch right in, basically. Um, what do you have to tell us? Well, um, we if you listened uh, last year to the podcast we did on Capitol Avenue. Mm-hmm, which we'll have in the show notes. Yes. Um, you remember that uh, most of that was taken from a really wonderful book called The Streets of Corydon. Mm-hmm. We each have our copy sitting right here. By Frederick Porter Griffin, who was one of our county's most distinguished citizens throughout his life. And he compiled several books. Uh, this book is includes his own personal remembrances, notes taken by the Griffin family. But basically what this does is it takes the main streets... Uh, in the original town plat of Corydon and tells you about every single building in the town. It's very thorough. The history, if you, if you live in Corydon and you, you want to know about the history of your house, or perhaps not just your house, but the houses that were on that lot before your house, mm-hmm. uh, this book is for you. I know that there have been a couple people who have reached out to me and asked how they can get a copy of this book, and uh, it's hard. There are... Uh, no copies remaining for yeah. sale. You know, you you can't go to a bookstore and buy buy one. Um, so the, the the best thing you can do is just go to the library. Yeah, they and, have it all there. And 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 use it there. And if 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 uh, if you wanna if you wanna make photocopies, I'm sure they'll they'll let you. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk let's talk today uh, about Chestnut Street. What he does the original. If you remember from the Capitol Avenue. Uh, podcast. We talked about how the town of Corydon uh, was basically land that was entered, uh, received from the federal government by William Henry Harrison, mm-hmm. and it was it was the the land uh, that began uh, at the north where uh, 
uh, the top of the hill where uh, Bas- Elliott Avenue is today. Yeah. And goes all the way south to the creek. That was the original area of the town. Not beyond the creek. Not beyond the creek. From Elliott Avenue down to what, what now would be the South Bridge. The south part of the creek was either uh, a land that was, and for example, the fairgrounds today uh, is private property, which is in the county. Mm-hmm. But, and then residential or commercial development south of the creek occurred in stages and was, uh, and still is known as the addition, the, the Ridley addition or the Loweth addition gotcha. or the Ashton addition. Um, those kinds of land, that, that, that section of what is today's town was added later. Mm-hmm. But what Harrison did was he took all this land and he, he drew it up into what was called a plat. In other words, uh, a grid of streets, north and south streets, east and west streets. And on each line of streets, they drew out different size lots and, um, and then sold those lots and people either built houses on them or whatever. And that creates the starting point for all of the legal property records at the Harrison County Courthouse about, uh, about what's happening in the town. Now, legal descriptions and deeds and everything out away from incorporated areas like this are completely different. But in yeah. town, in town, you're, 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 property right rests in a lot on a street in this particular location. Which is a small area. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing to think about is uh, as you're driving around town, think about how much, how little actually of that town is down on the creek bottom, is flat Mm -hmm. and and long. And then you, you start thinking about Chestnut Street and you say to yourself, oh my goodness, that is the longest yeah. Straightest, flattest piece of real estate in the entire town of Gordon. Right. I mean, you just... Right. It seems like you drive forever and you don't go up or down a hill. No. Okay. That's why I run there. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I like to run Again. on Chestnut Street. And, 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 and the other thing you, you think about is that there's, there's a, as I mentioned, the fairgrounds. Rice Island is another big chunk of flat ground that's south of the creek. Right. Okay. Let's, um, so we've got the, we've got the map, we've got the, the, the grid laid out, William Henry Harrison. And I guess we should say just for the listener real quick, Chestnut Street is the one with butt drugs on it. Yes. We have yes. not established that. East I, West Street, it's yeah. now U.S. or Indiana <laughs> Route 62 through right. town. We'll yes. talk about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it, it was, um. If Corden had a main street mm-hmm. throughout its history, especially in the 19th century, this would be it. See, because in my mind, I would picture it being capital, but it's not. Well, this is just longer. Right. And, and, and Well, um, and capital has no businesses right now. Not, it, I mean, it does have a few, well, but it, not it, as many as Chester. It did. And, 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 and that's basically, if you think about Main Street America in small towns or even in big cities, the purpose of Main Street... Uh, was to provide a place where the commercial uh, development of the community happened. And it was a place to prov- where, where people moving through the community, like on a highway, where, where, where people went through the town. 
and we have a north-south street in Capitol Avenue and we have an east-west street in Chestnut um, but the first thing you realize is hey wait a minute right there in the center of the downtown Corydon the highway turns and goes north two blocks and then goes across the creek to the west mm-hmm. Chestnut Street never went there was never a bridge over the creek at the west end of Chestnut Street it never went straight through town all the way now the first thing that we need to talk about is that it's not Chestnut Street okay uh, if you look at the really old maps just like Capitol Avenue was Market Street until okay. 1941 that's what I was wondering when I was looking at the commercial like I don't forget what he calls it commercial row Mar- I was like Market excuse you Yes, <laughs> Market Street was Capitol Avenue, became okay. Capitol Avenue in 1941, and Mill Street okay. was, and we're, we're going to talk about why it was, why named it was Mill. called Mill Street, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but Mill Street became gotcha. Chestnut Street. Okay. okay, now let's start at the very um, west end of what is today Chestnut Street. Um, and by west, you know, you go toward the, the, the creek and then you stop. Now, I would dare say that there's a lot of people that haven't really thought about those houses west of Water Street, you know, where the, like where the parking lot is for the funeral yes. home yes, and yes, the yes. bank and the, the town of Corridon mm-hmm. garage and everything. Those houses over there were the very first lots that William Henry Harrison sold. Okay. Why? Because they were close to water. And I just have to do a callback to our other episode. If you want to hear about the history of Corridon water and the creeks, look in the show notes. Right. Okay. Um, it's all coming together. So, so you, you built your house there, you had the Mm -hmm. creek for water and gradually things stay. So, so if, if, if you've never been over there, if you never knew anybody that lived over there, that is the oldest neighborhood in Corridon. Okay. Now, very few. I would few, have never thought that. Very few, if any, of the homes that remain there today are original. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been replaced over time. So let's let's just start there and start east. Okay. Um, and the first thing that you notice is is sort of one of the themes because right there on the very first corner, I already mentioned the. Uh, a city street department Mm -hmm. but on the other side of the street at that first corner is a big kind of a development area um, obviously made up of at least five or six lots I mean uh, a guy by the name of Charles Ginkins how do you spell that last name G-I-N-K-I-N-S had a marble shop and a coal yard there marble shop marble shop he sold Gravestones. Oh, oh, I thought you meant marbles. <laughs> no. I have little children. <laughs> glass marbles. No, no. If you, oh, okay, hundreds gotcha. of, hundreds I'm, of cemeteries I'm, in Harrison County, all with marble. I'm with you now. Granite, granite gravestones came in much later. I'm with you. So marbles, marble stones that are now all encrusted with, with green like it. But, but he sold that uh, from that location. And um, in 1900, uh, all of that burned to the ground. That's another theme about the town of Corridon is that fire, fire was always an issue. Put a pin ha- in it for future up. House, houses burned down. 
when a when a fire got started downtown, it it usually chewed up the whole block. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fire. After that, what I would call the first Corridon convenience store was was operated on that corner. Guy by the name of Guy Reese, R E A S. Guy Reese and his family had a uh, they maintained the coal business and they got a big freezer and had ice. Mm. You could sell ice. This is before the days when people had gotcha. ice making ability in their homes. And and they had a small grocery store and later um, gas pumps, just like today's convenience so stores. So what, what is there now? In the, in, I'm they, trying to visualize The Reese uh, family sold the business to a guy named John Mattingly, and they oh. operated it as Mattingly's Ice House okay. for many, many years. And then it was sold for a while. It was kind of a uh, an eyesore-type junk dealer, but now it's a uh, Christian bookstore. Oh, okay. And there's no more gas pumps. Yeah, yeah. So and, I know where we are now. Okay. But, okay. All right. So the, the, the main thing to take out of that is, is that the way you get big spaces like that mm-hmm. and like the, the shop across the street is you combine lots and lots of smaller lots. You buy up six or eight houses, tear them down, and you've got a big lot. And immediately, if you look across the street from there, you see that happening. The parking lot for the funeral home, the parking lot for the bank, the parking lot for the library. Those yeah. are all places where many, many lots mm-hmm. were, were torn down, paved over, and put up a parking lot. Joni Mitchell has a song called Yellow Taxi. Oh, I mean, okay. tell me about it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cordon, Indiana. Okay. <laughs> now, let's, let's keep going down the street. Okay. And, um, but as we do that, uh, there was a, a, a house where a gentleman by the name of Junius Alexander. Mr. Alexander lived from 1858 to 1933, and he occupied a small frame building in that next block. Mr. Alexander was black, a free man. And in the front room of his residence, another black gentleman by the name of Percy Garner operated a dry cleaning and a ironing business. Mr. Alexander made his living with a horse and wagon delivering mail from the Corydon Post Office to all the other post offices in the county. Okay, because... And they are not alone as being an example in the 19th century of uh, black families living in Corydon. Yeah, and, well, and it's just, you know, it's just so opposite of what we have now. I mean... After the war, uh, after the Civil War, there was a substantial population of mm-hmm. either former slaves or not that lived in Harrison County, both rural areas and in Corridon. Mm-hmm. And there was um, uh, the, 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 the idea of black-owned businesses on Chestnut Street was there 150 years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so um, I just wanted I don't to, think many people know that I, is, is what that, I would like to get at. That's why I wanted to make that point. The, yes. Now, where was this? Mm-hmm. Okay, the, the lot was eventually... Um, uh, sold when uh, Mr. Alexander, when June Alexander, that's what they called him, when he died uh, in 1929, the, the real estate was sold to the Nazarene church mm-hmm. and they built a church on that site. Mm-hmm. And some years later, uh, recently, I think, within the last maybe 20 or 30 years, they sold the building to the uh, LDS church mm, okay. and they built a new building 
out I on know the where west, that is. west yeah. side yeah. of town. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, another major facility, another major building that you will see uh, up the street from there that's still there is the current headquarters of Indiana Utilities Corporation. Yes. Okay, this is a building which when it was new, it was the model mm -hmm. for a car dealership. Really? Stanley Flans uh, purchased the site and erected a large new building to house his auto sales business and a service garage and living quarters upstairs. Mm. Okay. People lived upstairs above their businesses. Yes. All yeah. up and down Chestnut Street. Well, my mother, when she was a child, lived in the apartment above the Democrat. Yes. So there you go. And, and that is an interesting social model, mm -hmm. I think, in America. The old expression about living upstairs above the store. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you think of people who are tied to their businesses as being pe like a dairy farmer. You know, right. he's, he can't get away from the business. Right. Well, I, I, excuse me, yeah. downtown Gordon. Everybody lived upstairs above yeah. the store. Which, why lots, wouldn't you? Lots and lots of businesses. There's an apartment up above the uh, restaurant, uh, Frederick's I, Restaurant. So There's that, I always, almost every time I pass it, I want to know who lives there. In that apartment? Yes. Well, I mean, it's just Mr. Flans cool lived upstairs. Yes. And in July of 1941, he sold the building to the REMC. Okay. Now, if, if you... In American history, the 1930s was very important, and one of the, uh, you know, mm -hmm. today, yeah. today s certain people and a certain political party would refer to it as socialism, yeah. but one of the important things in the 1930s was getting electricity out to rural areas. Right. And the rural electric cooperative model came to Corridon about this time, and, uh, and, and it was very, very important, and that building was perfect because it had the office space, mm -hmm. it had the shop area for trucks and all the equipment that was necessary to build and maintain a rural electric infrastructure, and the apartment upstairs was where the manager of the REMC lived. Yes. That building then became, uh, eventually when REMC also moved, just like the Nazarene Church, they also moved out to the west side of Corridon mm -hmm. and built a much larger facility to maintain all their electric utility stuff. The building was sold to Indiana Utilities. If you remember from your Capitol Avenue discussion yes. in the previous podcast about uh, Cedar Glade, yes, um, uh, there was the, Cedar Glade was started by a guy named Kittner. Yes, uh, Jacob Kittner. Well, guess what? He had a brother named Peter. And when Peter came to Corridon, uh, he didn't want to live out in the country. He lived downtown and had considerable amount of real estate downtown. That rest of that block all the way to the corner was Kittner property. On the, on the corner was a, a hotel, which yes. was Morgan's headquarters during the raid in 1863. Oh. And in 1871, it, all that burned. Okay. So a new, modern, huge hotel mm -hmm. was built on that site. 34 guest rooms. It was an imposing structure for its day, probably. Yes. And, and because it was on Main Street, 
the main thoroughfare yeah. through town, when you drove into Corridan and you're looking for a hotel to stay overnight, there it is. Is it the same building that's there now? It the is. The Kittner House? Okay. It is. Yeah, so it's the same building. It has been, the, the, the building that's there now obviously has, a lot of money has been spent on it over oh, yes. the years uh, maintaining it. And, and it has had a number of different uses other than Does a hotel. Does it still have 34 rooms? I wouldn't be surprised. That's I don't know. That's wild. I, I had no idea it had that many. Well, I don't know how many are in use. Yeah. But, but, it, but it's a pretty big place. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So just keep that in mind. Uh, uh, the Kittners, there's a connection between the Kittners mm -hmm. of Cedar Glade and Cedar Hill Cemetery and Cedar Farm and the Kittners of the downtown. Mm -hmm. They were brothers and their following generations were involved in, in Corridan. Now, the next thing I want to uh, mention, this next section of Main Street or Chestnut Street or Mills Street from Capitol Avenue to, is that Mulberry Street? Where, yes. um, where mm -hmm. Zimmerman Art Class yes. is. Okay, that's kind of a double block there with, with the, the B, uh, Elm Street coming in there. Right. But the pervasive influence up and down that street, if you go up and down that street and read the little, the little uh, plaques on each building that uh, the, the uh, Harrison County Bicentennial Committee had affixed to those buildings, telling the history of those buildings, a whole bunch of them have to do with the Bullet family. Mm, yeah. Who were the Bullets? The Bullets were... Oh, okay. I thought I was going to have to answer that. <laughs> I know where the Bullet building is downtown. Well, there's several... And I know several, about Bullet Bourbon. There's several Bullet... But I'm not sure bullet, they're the same. Several Bullet Bourbon. The, the Bullet brothers okay. were four brothers from New Middletown. And no family. You know, the Kellers, maybe. Um... No family had a more significant impact on the commercial and economic success of Corydon in the 19th century and the early 20th century than these four Bullet brothers. Okay. And I'm not going to even try to keep them all straight. Right. And where did they live? Well, they lived various places. They yeah. had their businesses. They had homes. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's one we're going to talk about east on Chestnut Street. Okay. I think that big house up on the corner on Capitol Avenue up there at the corner at the top of the hill, you said it's a tea room now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was a bullet house. Okay. Uh, at one point or another in yeah. the past. Mm -hmm. Okay. As we, as we go east here along this section, I want you to think about uh, four things. Uh, grocery stores. Okay. I guarantee you that if you go through this book... And you look at Elm Street, Capitol Avenue, and Chestnut Street. And you go through there and you look and you count and you write down every time a particular lot was at one time in its history a grocery store. Mm -hmm. You will be hard pressed to find any time, any single decade or year even, in the second half of the 19th century and the first half of the 20th century, when there weren't at least six or eight grocery stores in downtown yeah. Corridan. Yeah. A grocery store was one room. Yeah. Every single building at one time or another, and that's an exaggeration, right. but it's not too far off, yeah. was at one point in a its life store. a grocery store. Yeah. Keep, hold that thought. Okay. Grocery stores, 
very, very common. Very important. Very important. And if they didn't like the price of canned beans in this store, they could go to the other store mm -hmm. right next door or two doors down. I wish we had more of that now in the town of Corydon. Well, we don't right. have a whole lot of options. Okay. Uh, no one does. America is different. This is the theme of the, of the, that we're going to get to, mm -hmm. of this type of commercial activity mm -hmm. in our country. Yeah. It is no longer, the grocery business is no longer one room. No. Okay. Second major theme. How many post offices are there in Corridon today? I believe there's one. No, there are four. We go through post offices a lot around here. And okay. part of that is that the, the post office apparently maybe has always been a building that you built a building and you got a very lucrative rental agreement with the federal government to have a post office in it. Oh, okay. okay. Gotcha. Undertakers. Whoa. If you go flash here. <laughs> if you go through this for every grocery store okay. building, it see it seems like there's also at some point there's been an undertaker in that building. Really? Lots and okay. lots of undertakers. And and look at it this way. You got to eat three times a day and everybody's going to die. Yeah. I mean, these are certainties. Yes. Okay. So this is, remember, this is the 19th century. So there's no phony baloney licensing process or anything. If no. you want to be an undertaker. You can be one. You buy an undertaker sign and put it up outside hey. your building. Hey. And, and I, I suppose, I mean, the, I'm not going to talk about the funeral home or the undertakers. But, but basically, it's just like the grocery business. Undertaker used to be one room, you put the body in a box, and you take the box to the person's house. Gotcha. Or to the church. Yeah. The idea of a funeral home came along much later. When, when did that? Well, I mean, I'm not gonna, is, we don't need to go into it, well, but, but it'd be interesting to know how that all got at, started. Well, we're going to... As you know, down the street east from here, there yes. is a funeral home. Yes. That, okay, but 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 that that idea of having the funeral service in not in your house mm -hmm. or your church, but in a large funeral home to accommodate a big crowd. Yeah. That idea was was one of the things that 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 came along and, you know, you went from maybe six or eight different undertakers in town to two funeral homes. Yeah just like grocery stores. Gotcha. Okay, and the last thing that was, and appears to be totally pervasive up and down this street, the easiest thing to get into was the restaurant business. Mm -hmm. And the easiest thing to fail in was the restaurant yeah. business. So restaurants are constantly coming and going, and isn't that, um, aren't we glad that that's no longer true in downtown Cornwall? I, I am, I, <laughs> yeah. So those are themes. Grocery stores, post offices, funeral homes, and restaurants. Okay, yeah. let's go to the corner that everybody, many people listening today, uh, would recognize uh, Jocko's Restaurant. Okay, um, that's on the corner of Chestnut Street, and it's where 1816 is now. Where 1816 is now. Mm -hmm. Okay, that yeah. was Jocko's Restaurant, and um, and that's an example of a of a downtown restaurant that lasted quite a while. There are several more up and down Chestnut Street, um, but, but there are fewer and fewer now that the town has exploded out to the north. Okay, 
That building is uh, known as the Schaefer Building. And um, it's, it's a, um, uh, an architectural style called Italianate. It was built in 1892 by John Schaefer, who established in the building the St. Cloud Saloon. Hmm. Now, to the north of the building, that's, that is now the, I don't know if... It, Legend Tattoo. Yeah, mm-hmm. and upstairs was Davis Law Firm. Yeah. That building wasn't there. Oh. Because Mr. Schaefer wanted to make sure that the back door of his saloon ah. was was open. Mm-hmm. So that, I guess, so he could throw people and yeah. maybe garbage and stuff out the back door. Okay. Um, he desired a rear entrance. And after the saloon closed, uh, there was a creamery and, of course, a grocery store in there. And then after, in 1936, uh, Mr. Cunningham purchased the building and started a jewelry store on the first floor. And there was for many, many years on the second floor, the upstairs part of 1816, that was an insurance office. Right. A guy by the name of Alan Jordan. Okay. Okay. Another distinguished name in court because his son, Dick Jordan, uh, was a physician. Okay. Okay. So the Schaefer building was what we all know as Jocko's. Yes. And and it sort of encapsulates in its history several of the different themes. When did about, Jocko's open? Do you know? Um, let's see. Uh, there, it somewhere there's a somewhere there's a picture mm-hmm. in the 1930s, 36 or so, that shows the Cunningham Jewelry Store. Yeah. Being there. Okay. As opposed to across the street, we're going to get to that. Okay. But, but um, so it was after that. Jocko was a guy by the name of Austin Timberlake, mm-hmm. and he was one of 13 children. Yes. There were Timberlakes everywhere. Everywhere. And, and us. I had, a, I had two in my class. Well, I had two of the sisters for teachers. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to, I'm going to go on down on the north side of the street, I'm going to go on down all the way to the building which you just referenced mm-hmm. where the bagel shop is. And yes, everything. yes. Okay. Um, in 1911, uh, J.J. Bullitt, one of the four brothers, mm-hmm. uh, acquired this property and wiped it clean. Took all the buildings off the property and, elect, uh, and erected the pretty magnificent building that you see there yeah. today. Mm-hmm. Um 1912, it was was when it was constructed. Um, it has a, a relatively prominent type of uh, trim that came from the Mesker, Mesker Ironworks. And in 1913, it opened. It had a large meeting room on the ground floor, which was used for various times for uh, dances, for roller skating, basketball. And the second floor was uh, a, a stock room for merchandise. And the key is that, that this is the first evidence of an elevator oh. in Corden. There was a freight elevator in that building that took stuff up and down mm-hmm. from the second floor. That's how modern it was. And in February 1945, a guy by the name of Louis Lehman and um, a uh, chicken hatchery guy from... from uh, uh, Crandall, by the name of Bob Davis, a uh, Ramsey, by the name of Bob Davis, opened a hardware business there that was there for um, uh, 30 or 40 years. Mm-hmm. Layman and Davis Hardware. So if you're, if you're an older person like your mother and I, um, uh, that's what we know that building was. 
and, and, and it was the entire building. Okay, um, when, they, when Lehman and Davis Hardware went out of business in 1979, a fellow by the name of Daryl Conrad opened a Sears catalog store there. And after Sears closed out their catalog business, he had a furniture and appliance business in that building for a while. Uh, I think the, 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 the last thing here that I want to talk about um, is uh, what some people consider to be the most significant piece of architecture in Harrison County. Oh boy. And that is what, what I would call the old Ford garage, the bullet Ford garage on the corner of Chestnut and Mulberry Street. Oh, uh, it where is Zimmerman's a, is now. Pardon me? Is this where Zimmerman's is now? No, it is where I believe the business in there now is called Chestnut Street Market. And there's a, oh, oh, a zillion other businesses yes, back in the back okay. and everything. But, yes. but if you think about that building um, as a car dealership, and it was, a, it was a Ford dealership for 75 years. Yes. It has a front showroom. Yes. It has space for businesses, for offices. Mm -hmm. It has space for a shop, a repair shop in the back. That all makes sense now. And then to of the course. north is a big open lot where, where all, all the, the used cars, cars and the cars were parked there and everything. I don't know why I didn't know this. Well, it is, <laughs> it is, um, it is, it is in a, it was opened on uh, May the 12th, 1921. And it is in a style of what is called Art Deco. Mm -hmm. And and if you think about the building and you re realize showroom, offices, mechanical place to work, car lot. It makes total sense. It's all the stuff yeah. that any car dealer has today. Yeah. And as I say, from 1921 to, um, I think, 1996... Uh, it was a Ford dealership. Yeah. You and know, so for people listening, where the t-shirt place is now, right. that would have been like that the would mechanic have been part area. Of the, yep. you, gotcha. you, pulled your, you pulled your Ford in mm -hmm. to have the, uh, if it was a flathead six, you had to have the valves ground like every you know year yeah, at least, I mean, you know. Yeah, duh. Uh, but, but yeah. Okay. okay. So, um, so that Art Deco building on that corner I'm, I'm glad to see it's still there because yeah. it, it really is. I mean, I, I, when, when I think about that building and I think about Art Deco architecture, I would, this is an aside, but if you ever are up in Northeastern Indiana near the town of Auburn, if you know, you know, Indiana had a car manufacturing company in practically every town. Mm -hmm. And in uh, Auburn, Indiana was the home of the uh, Cord uh, Duesenberg Company and the Auburn Company. And, and millions and millions of dollars have been spent, uh, far more than been spent on our building here, uh, restoring the offices and showroom of the Auburn mm. uh, Cord Duesenberg. Uh, uh, it, it is just the most magnificent Art Deco architecture mm. in Indiana. And apparently this building in Little Oak Cordon is also on that list. What do they have in that building in Auburn now? Uh, do you know? Dozens of beautiful old Duesenbergs. Oh. You, you walk in that building and you feel like you have walked through time mm -hmm. into the book, The Great Gatsby. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you just feel like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Cool. We'll put uh, a link in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's nothing like our Ford dealership, mm -hmm. but it's the same idea. Yeah. It's the Art Deco period. It's the use of the building. The idea that that you you sold cars in this beautiful, almost 
it's indoors, you know, yeah. but it's this showroom. Right. I mean, yeah. who would have thought that you would sell cars indoors in well, a very- it was very, a much fancier thing oh, to yeah. buy a car then. I mean, it was way different. Ab absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I can remember as a little boy, you know, when you walked in to the Ford garage over here, I mean, it was like a pretty significant experience. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, okay. now you can get a car out of a vending machine, Carvana. <laughs> yeah, 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 well. We sold our car to Carvana, it was an odd experience, but nice, it was easy. <laughs> Okay, we're back, and uh, Jim, what do you have for us? What have you watched, read, listened to, done that you think would be of interest to the people? Well, um, right now, I mean, I go through a lot of books, and... Um, Not uh, a lot of fiction, though, right? Uh, no, no. Truth mm -hmm. is much better than uh -huh. fiction. Um, the, uh, there's, a, there's a new biography of Lincoln by mm -hmm. one of uh, uh, really our great uh, historians working today, a fellow by the name of John Meacham. He occupies a, a uh, endowed chair at Vanderbilt University on the American presidency and has written several biographies of uh, major American presidents and has, um, has also written on a variety of other topics related especially to our current uh, situation. Mm -hmm. uh, John is a um, uh, uh, among other things, um, is is uh, friends with President Biden and writes a lot of speeches for President Biden. He um, uh, he's a frequent television personality uh, who talks about issues of today and relates them to historical things. And um, John has a new biography of Lincoln, which is written from the perspective today that we have where um, for some time now, uh, Americans have struggled with the question of slavery and really had many Americans without studying history and attempting to grasp the context of the times have had uh, extremely negative uh, feelings about the idea that many of our founding fathers owned slaves. Mm -hmm. Why should we venerate people like Washington and Jefferson and and other Jackson and other people who who actually owned slaves. All right, slavery was a very very complex thing, and and um, uh, that that's why it was a problem that was so incredibly difficult to solve, and and a partial resolution of that problem was accomplished only after 600,000 Americans were shot dead on the battlefield. And Meacham's new biography of Lincoln attempts to get more closely than any biographer ever has into the mind of Lincoln and into his thinking and into everything we know about what he knew about slavery, what he experienced about slavery, what he thought about slavery, and, and how, how that uh, pervasive issue of the times uh, uh, really shaped his life. And so I'm, I'm only about halfway through the book mm -hmm. right now, but it's a wonderful book. It's called, And There Was Light by John Meacham, available mm -hmm. um, 
Um, it looks like uh, uh, at Walmart for twenty dollars and twenty three cents. I don't know what I paid for it. I bought it at Books a Million in Clarksville. There you go. Um, uh, or no, wait a minute. Oh my God! I think my sister bought it for me. There you go. Using some internet-based thing. And and that goes kind of along what, with what I want to talk about. But I think it's so important for all of us, you know, when we think about what's happening now in our country, to think about that wasn't that long ago. So like, you know, when this this era you're talking about wasn't that long ago in the country, country's life. No. I mean, this is a relatively recent transition, and if you look at history as a whole. Well, I, I you know, uh, for example, just let me throw out one little tidbit of information. You're exactly mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, America today, many, 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 if not most Americans, trace their heritage to European immigrants who arrived uh, in the latter part of the 19th century or the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. We have visions of immigration and people arriving at Ellis Island. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay, the slave trade was ended in 1808. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No more Africans were imported into the United States after 1808. Mm-hmm. So the population growth of slaves from then on was not immigration. It was all birth succeeding deaths. But keep in mind, if you trace your family to some immigrant who came here from Germany or something in 1880 or 1890, Mm -hmm. or even some Italian immigrant in 1910 or whatever, if that's where your family traces from, Mm -hmm. every single black person you know or see in America has deeper roots in this country than you do. Yeah. Yeah. Far deeper roots. Yeah. Yeah. Centuries more roots in America. Mm-hmm. They spent their family and their ancestors spent more time building this country than any of yours did. And <laughs> and and that is when you think about that and especially frankly when black people think about that. Mm-hmm. I mean that that my goodness. I mean, we've been here longer than the rest of you guys. I know. <laughs> It's 1619 project. I mean, that anyway, what, what I want to recommend is a podcast interview with Margaret Atwood who wrote the handmaid's tale. Yeah. Um, and it was published this morning and I queued it up in the early morning. I was cleaning out my junk drawer and I was like, I'll listen to this. And she, uh, it's, um, the podcast called offline. John Favreau's the host. He was Obama's primary speechwriter. Um, and they just had a wonderful conversation about tyranny how do you navigate the world right now? You know, all the stuff she always talks about. But she is just so insistent that if you don't look at history, you are really cheating yourself out of understanding the present. You know, you have to look back, have to look back to know and to understand what we're going through right now. And it's a great conversation. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Well, um, uh, take a look at Lincoln. Uh, Of course, Mm -hmm. as we know, I mean, Lincoln spent a great deal of his childhood here in Spencer County, Indiana. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, if you think you know a lot about Lincoln, um, for example, um, did you know that we're really not sure and Lincoln never knew who his maternal grandparents Mm -hmm. were? 
Yeah. He spent a great deal of his life questioning, where did I get my intellectual capability yeah. and my, my, uh, my, my attitudes about things mm-hmm. and my, my curiosity? If that is a hereditary thing, who did I inherit this? Yeah. Because on my mother's side, I have no idea who this man, who these people were. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, and I just do want to say that the title of that interview with Margaret Atwood, it's called um, Margaret Atwood on Good, Evil, and Stupidity. And she had a great quote. She said, all humans are capable of three things, good, evil, and stupidity. We're, ca- we're fully capable of all three. And I'll um, just end it there. Uh Okay. Okay. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Huge thank you to Jim for coming on. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, please reach out to us. Um, Facebook, Instagram, we're at blue.harrisoncounty. You can also email us at info info at blue.hc.com. All right. We'll catch you next time. Bye.